Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I come before you today with this message of dire importance. Lately, each movie we make costs about as much as a 10-year-old used car would cost. We save up for a few years and then spend it all on our newest movie. Of course, these movies earn us almost nothing, but it's so much fun. I'd rather have a bunch of movies than a bunch of used cars. Can I come over and watch Ricky Farley with you tonight? The film you're about to see contains scenes of shocking river beast action, which are definitely not for the timid. Welcome back to Don't Let the Moturn Cast Get You, a podcast dedicated to the films of Charles Roxburg and Matt Farley. I'm here with my friends Calvin and Matt. No Stephen this episode, but we're talking about the 2016 film Slingshot Cops, a supernatural buddy comedy, a film that explores the power of hugs, the seedy underworld of illegal fireworks, and the importance of your senses and what happens when they're removed. I'm glad we revisited this one, as it's one of those Motown movies I didn't really know that well, and it just sort of merged into their whole filmography for me. And I was really surprised. I think there's a lot of fun ideas at play for this one, and for the most part, the film does an interesting job of weaving them together. What do you guys make of Slingshot Cops? Well, Jack, when did you watch this the first time? Uh, was that? I feel like it must have been back end of last year um, for the first time, just because when I was caught up in the Motown loving you know, just trying to grab onto everything and anything that they put out and just watching it. Um, so it was the one I, I've never revisited until today. What about you and guys? The, I saw it for the first time about six months ago. It was the last one I saw. And right. I was just rounding them up before the premiere of Magic Spot. And this mm. one was the last one in there. So a bit more recently for me, but I mm. think it's Calvin's first time with the film for this podcast, right? Everything but the Christmas special will be my first, just by design. I'm I'm keeping it fresh. Although right. I I did watch it twice this week. So cool. Um, yeah, it's a little different from the usual modern uh, mm. method in that it's not so much uh, horror leaning. It's uh, more pastiche of like these buddy cop comedies, mm. like, like in the way of like Fletch or um, yeah, uh, you know, like a, one of those like '80s like uh, Farley Brothers, uh, ironically Farley Brothers. <laughs> um uh, pictures it's kind of mm. like tapping more into that than the pit or like a, a cult classic that uh that nobody's seen and i think it marks a turning point in that way because this is like from here on out i don't think any of them really do that kind of horror referencing that no. something like okay. uh freaky farley does like metal detector maniac i guess is the closest, a little bit but yeah but that's more of like a, a very different paranoia sort of thriller um yeah, this one's interesting because it was um, a, a couple of years after River Beast, which we're all obviously major fans of, and then there was Local Legends. And this film comes like four years after, uh, so 2016, and it feels kind of like a reunion picture. This film feels really big. The the cast, like the ensemble cast, seems massive. I know we say that quite often, but like it always staggers me just how many people get involved in these films. And this film has like a massive amount of scope and locations and it feels like they upped their production quality as well this film looks a lot different uh, i don't know if it's like a different camera or like a wider lens or something but it just looks really clean well yeah charlie had been away in la mm. for a few years at this point and yep. they had a uh matt farley had gone and done uh, his local legends and then i think he um possibly charlie taking some of what he's learned in, mm. in la and uh there's even some digital production some yes. uh, shots of things being removed uh the dog is removed from one scene. Of, <laughs> uh, like boom mics are able to be, you know, better covered. Uh, okay. uh, yeah, 
they're able to uh, uh, more tap into a modern sense of filmmaking. Whereas uh, before it was every shot had to be used. They were, mm. they were so up against it. Um, yeah. And so light on budget, but, but this almost feels like a, like a small budget that would be like made today for like a streamer or something. Mm. Yeah. Um, Charles definitely putting his like visual effects work into good practice here. There's um, some ghost effects. There's some explosion <laughs> effects. And of course, the infamous purple foot, which I don't think I really remembered that whole like <laughs> narrative. I didn't really remember the actual like central mystery or the central crime in this film. And it's it's very strange. And it's kind of in ties with their like druid films in terms mm -hmm. of just sort of like a very strange cultural phenomenon that seems to be wrecking havoc. Um, and this is uh, Mickey's most villainous role yet. Do you mm -hmm. think? Yeah, yeah, I think I, mean... I think this might be my favorite McGee performance. As uh, I've got his <laughs> name here, Doctor David Mercer, who spoiler <laughs> alert turns out to be the titular villain, um, who is sort of stealing everyone's senses with his purple foot. Uh, but the way he plays it is so hammy, but also so perfect. Um, there's a lot of McGee in this, and I think we've we've kind of confirmed that the the secret sequel next year is probably going to be a Slingshot Cops two. And I feel like this is definitely a world that feels like it could be expanded. Um, there's a lot of strange, goofy, supernatural energy of the Druid films here, as well as the grand exploitation, like River Beast. But it's just that that sense of community spirit, like tons of locations. And I think that's what they're going to go for in the sequel. I just really hope McGee comes back. Obviously, he sort of explodes at the end of this film. But <laughs> you can't have a Motown movie in this day and age without Kevin McGee, so... I mean, they, this, they brought uh, Jim McHugh back as like a ghost angel yes, thing. Right, really, yeah, yeah, yeah. they yeah. have like a devilish biggie. Show or <laughs> it's going to be it's his another dogma. thing. It's very, it's very clear they're able to like insert and do improvisational things as they're making the film. Like, uh, um, that just those ideas keep like uh, coming around circularly. In a way, uh, every other Moton movie has been like very straightforward, and uh, I felt like the plot was just you know the plot and. Uh, this seems to loop back around on its ideas and introduce them and uh, have an arc. Um, mm. So that's interesting about it. Yeah, I feel like there's quite a lot of ideas that are thrown at the wall here, and it does get yes. a little messy from time to time. You sort of like forget about narrative paths and beats, and then it, you sort of get caught up in it again. Um, but overall, I was uh, I was really happy with this one and revisiting it. Uh, it's such a versatile film, and like one thing I really like is their approach to uh, set design especially uh, Farley's garage which is the police <laughs> station in here which I didn't really realize until I checked the Moto Media wiki page um, and Marvel and Star Wars should definitely stop using like that massive green screen backlot thing they do and just get Matt Farley to convert his garage into whatever they need because he's such a, a versatile set dresser it looks great <laughs> their sets always end up being so interesting and built in the community and they seem to be the spaces that these people really inhabit and they mm. they kind of it's so lived in i think would be a way to describe like this series of very regional movies um and i don't really know regional buddy comedies the way i know regional horror, horror movies so yeah it's a uh interesting different angle maybe i get more from the the horror side than i do the a buddy cop comedy I, yeah i, mean, I don't uh, know if i could even name i was a, gonna say regional yeah. buddy cop movie or a regional much of anything besides horror well this, in, this one. indie yeah. filmmakers gravitate to horror um you know, it's that time-tested story of like sam raimi and his gang they wanted to make films and they wanted to make a horror film because it was kind of the easiest one to approach 
So you don't really see a lot of low-budget, independent, other genre films like a buddy comedy, uh, buddy cop comedy, or an action comedy like this. So it's really interesting for them to sort of like branch out and try different styles and genres as well, with still having that sort of tongue-in-cheek motor approach to everything. Um, this is like a this is a movie you would make if you had like a, a cast list that was like a impressive on a poster. Like you'd be like, mm. okay, I need these people to star, and they're going to be opposite each other because you have a filmed history yeah. of these people. Like a usually that couldn't apply to an indie production, but because of the way the Motern universe is built, it's able to apply. Like like we're able to uh, see uh, Farley and who is it? Is it like his uncle or who is Jim McHugh? Jim McHugh. Yeah. yeah, that's his yeah. uncle. Officer okay. Wolf. <laughs> he's able to pair his uncle in a way that would have to be like Kevin Hart and you know yeah it's a very interesting pairing and it's played as just sort of like it's a as a Rusty Sinclair doesn't really want a partner but he's thrust into the hands of you know the old faithful officer wolf and there's a fun <laughs> dynamic there and the whole sort of like slingshot thing and why he never uses his slingshot anymore and he's going to bring it back yeah I mean, if I have one complaint, it's that this movie doesn't get enough out of the slingshot. Yeah. Like, it's, it's called Slingshot like, Cops. but <laughs> I want to see some real like action set pieces utilizing slingshots, you know, like some gang warfare in like an alleyway, you know, like a, a classic police shootout, but everyone's just got slingshots. Yeah, so, yeah. So, Farley, I know you're listening to this. You can hire us to uh, pepper the script for Slingshot Cops 2. <laughs> uh, there's uh, another thing where it needs to soften the approach to police. Uh, uh, because these are very friendly movies mm. and they they don't want much uh um uh they don't want a man working for the bureaucrats as no. they say in the movie uh they need uh something softer in approach that's uh, a little bit more kindly so uh you know all cops might be bastards but most cops don't use slingshots <laughs> exactly so. this is an alternate universe where cops can have slingshots and can work for the greater good yes uh, um, a total unreality then mm. We get a lot of the Moton staples uh, in our bingo list. We get the cupcake store, obviously, uh, plays a central role. We get an extended basketball sequence filmed in Farley's parents' back garden. The uh, sort of mayoral electoral like annual free throw competition, which is obviously just an excuse to get all his friends together and play basketball and film it, <laughs> which is always good. One of the staples we're missing, though, I, I don't think there is any shirtless Farley in this one. Oh, unless there I definitely it. is. There is. Uh, uh, okay. Right at the start, he has <laughs> yeah. really weird tan lines. He's so tanned on his arms and his neck, and he's got oh. like a really pale torso. <laughs> um, <laughs> that is a staple. Um, I'd say this one is lacking in terms of Farley original songs. There's only a couple here and there. You don't have like the stacked track list like we're used to, like where there's like 16 songs or whatever. Uh, there's it does a couple end here with a the theme song by the Dying yes. Elkhart again, though. Yeah, they the did. River Beast. Uh, River Beast. Uh, and I really like those songs. I think it's really nice as well that Farley doesn't just always use his own songs at the end of the films. He 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 puts in songs about his films, but written by someone else, which is a nice touch. Oh, if you're like a composer, sometimes you want to like rely on your friends the way you build your movies too. Mm. Like like Farley's not the only actor here, and uh, he's not the only musician within his circle, of course. So uh, mm. uh, that is appealing. We get quite a large uh, Roxburgh presence in this film as well. Uh, he starts out in the alleyway looking for his cat Snickerdoodle, and he sort of like weaves in and out of the film, just sort of like as this constant awkward presence, which is like, I always enjoy seeing Charlie in uh, in front of the camera. 
Are there any movies he doesn't have a cameo in? I don't think so, but this one feels quite uh, more than just like one scene. He's a little little recurring character in this world. Yeah, it's not even just so much a cameo. He's part of the movie. Mm. Um, and that's nice to see. We like to see Charlie in things. Yeah, I guess um, he kicks off the whole plot because that arresting him for aiding and abetting yeah, his yeah. Wife gets him punished <laughs> with McHugh as a partner. Yes, yeah, of course. There's a lot of funny language about uh, mm. coppery, about the lot, like uh, yes, uh, yeah, yeah, things that, um, again, are not built into like a real world of like what cops would do but still like riffing on like the dirty hairiness of like all those 80s parodies like fletch which uh we just got confess fletch this year and this feels mm. like it would be a good like double feature interesting with i want to see that i do want to see that still i've not seen it's the og good, i've not seen the og fletch or read any of the books or anything but it looks i like those books Hold I, on, think there's, there's a, a I think it's. Yeah, seri- I think it's a series i think it's a series yeah book series first and then okay. it was the uh is it chevy chase yeah, yeah. Yes. And the Fletch and then this one. Um was it like National Lampoon like comic books or was it like No, a, I think oh, novels like a detective okay. series. I'm certain. I've never read any of them, but I, that sure. definitely rings a bell. Um, be yeah, then he's not called a police officer. Like they're not strictly police officers in this. He is a criminal concerns officer, which is like <laughs> delightfully motor and twist on something so normal and everyday. It just gives it such a very hyper specific name in that language setting. Love that. Uh, yeah, a lot of uh, tomfoolery with language in this one, um, a lot of twisting of words and phrases, and again, just things we don't really hear, like raison d'etre being thrown into the mix. As, as... I love tasting things, that's my raison d'etre. <laughs> that's a great, yeah, that's a great job. Um, when there is a robbery at the cupcake store, it's help, cupcake larceny, <laughs> 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 which is always great. And I think they do go just into comedy from here because next month we'll explore a christmas special special which is just like a, a like sit a, down comedy like a, with a variety friends. show yeah just right. sort of like a pretty much like a a look into their live show like that live extravaganza sort of feel of things i think um obviously matt's the only one who's actually seen that in the flesh but uh, sure, that's yeah. what i definitely get from that um and i think the sequel the secret sequel is now going to be premiering at the extravaganza with boston johnny i want to say Oh well, wow. yeah. I think Boston Johnny's been pushed back to uh, a a, a uh, festival release, uh, the Extravaganza Festival release, and then a VOD later in the year, which is fine. But I want Boston Johnny now, man. Mm. Give me it. We all do. <laughs> um, as soon as these movies come out, uh, as we're like kind of rounding the corner on these, I think we have three or four left. I think mm-hmm. we'll just do them as they as come, they come out for yeah. the foreseeable future. Like, there's no distinct end to the show it doesn't no. just have to go away no it's uh, just like a constant thing unless we unearth some like hidden farley shorts or something that we've never heard of you know he goes through his vaults and his archives of his old home movies and we'll find a way to talk about them in some regard <laughs> i think this is such a, a clear response to like what they did in river beast counterbite what happened with local legends afterwards mm. it kind of becomes more of like uh like a farley sense of humor in I think it. Uh, I think local legends established something that's like a, a turning point or a point forward, uh, a, a bridge between like the the uh, cult horror movies of before that are mm. very, I think, Charlie uh, specific. Yeah, uh, that shock marathons angle. And these feel more like a partnership. I think is what I'm expecting. I haven't seen the others, mm. but it feels clear that this is a, a very clear creative partnership. I hear yeah. both their voices in it. Yeah, melding of their like individual sensibilities 
into this fun like community packed and very strange film like it, it could have just been played as a, a normal buddy cop movie but obviously with the strange reliance on the supernatural we get probably one of the strangest like narrative arcs in terms of like an antagonist and a central mystery and it's just it's very tongue-in-cheek like those druid sequences uh, the, like the movies in the druid saga but the the whole idea of having someone stealing senses through their feet very strange <laughs> and uh his name's sense foot uh in the movie mm. which is a very funny clever very thing and one of their their most clever creations i like that uh uh, Jack has Kevin McGee behind him while Jack's kind of glowing purple. It looks uh, like yeah, like <laughs> I do time look time like I am yourself. his foot. Uh, yeah, McGee in this. Ah, oh, I just love McGee in this. He is so sinister, but so nonchalant because he's introduced as just the the doctor, and uh, from from the get go, you kind of know he's the villain because he has a sign mm. that says like "Take off your shoes and socks." Which <laughs> at first <laughs> right. I thought, at first I thought was just like a typical strange Moturn choice, but when you realize that the the villain is going around zapping people with his foot, you sort of make that connection very early on. And uh, we still haven't addressed the elephant in the room. That's uh, Tom Scalzo's Eastern European. Yeah. <laughs> his, uh, Eastern accent. European is his name, even. Is, uh, yeah, Eastern that's European. what he's that's referred to. Yeah. yeah, that's the yeah that stuff and that whole thread isn't great. It does lead to a couple of cool jokes that I like, like uh, Jim McHugh saying, Entity? Is that some sort of Eastern European word? But other than that, it's just sort of, yeah, sort of the more awkward side of the movie. Uh, and every time we sort of like drag that thread up again, I sort of kind of wincing through it. Uh, I know it's sort of played as like this harmless thing, but I don't know. Yeah, just he's sort of... not doing like, uh, no, he's not, he's doing not an actually accent. imitating an Eastern European accent. He's just no. kind of talking with some more growl in his voice. Yeah, kind of. I don't, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. No, he's kind of just playing it very straight. And the, the, the joke is kind of, he is Eastern European, but he is not at all in any way. <laughs> That's kind of what I like about it. I kind of like that it's a non-joke and they just like have these offhand comic comments that are like, yeah, the the Eastern European speaks the truth. I, mm. I like the just these drops, and and it's I don't know. Is it offensive? Is it? I don't think. I don't think no. so. I mean, like in in any other, any other hands, I think this could have been taken really badly. And like I've seen many films, like from independent people or like streamer films that have uh, an Eastern European character as like a villain, and it's with like this awkward accent, and it's really hammy and cliche. So it's nice yeah. to see them not leaning into that for this film it's well, just a very strange really leaning away from it I mean, oh yeah by, yeah by not imitating anything <laughs> eastern european at all i think you can you mm. dodge all criticisms pretty much well it really tied the film together so <laughs> very yeah very strange amount of threads in this that sort of weave in and out of each other um i sometimes get a little lost i get a little muddled in the narrative itself but uh the movie moves really quickly is there's an energy there um, we're not confined to a couple locations. We are all over the city. We are in so many different sets and locations. It's always exciting. It's always energetic. Uh, obviously, we are in Kevin McGee's house a couple times because that's his favorite <laughs> location to film in. You know, we've got Farley's Farley's garage, the uh, aforementioned uh, versatile filming location. We've got all over the city. It's uh, yeah, it's like a constant moving picture. Uh, that never leaves you bored or like gives you time to mull over what's happening. It's constantly on the move, and I, I enjoy that energy from these films. And it's only what 
hour 27 and it just it just goes you can tell they're so delighted every time they get to film with mickey um it's mm. just you can see like their their clear passion and that they're like ignited as creatives whatever uh mickey is in their pictures uh, uh on the motor and motor book they they uh kept describing how uh mcgee would come to set and uh he'd say i have to leave at at four because that's <laughs> when the patriots are on he, amazing uh, yeah because he's he has to put his uh national football team uh ahead of the first uh, production uh, i mean that's just part of it i think that's, that's why the, he, just he, learn, is who he is learn how to deal with a star you know if you got a big star on set like mcgee you need to sort of work around him and you need to prioritize his needs above the needs of the film sometimes just to keep that celebrity status at bay i can't think of like the hollywood version that i would want i know i've said that like on that version it would just be like a a, a large cast i guess mm -hmm. you'd uh go with that uh that one Edgar Wright movie. What, what was that? That uh, buddy cop thing that he did. Uh, Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz would probably be like the good version of this from like a Hollywood studio. I, I yeah, suppose. that's interesting. You don't think it's National Lampoon's Loaded Weapon 1? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, Matt. <laughs> Justin, Justin played that at the Summer Mind Melter. And that was at like, I can't remember what hour that was for me. Maybe like 8 a.m. And I, I watched it and I laughed, but I can't really... Uh, endorse that movie is probably not as good as i think it is because i'm so delirious and tired but oh that's a perfect slot in a mind melter to throw on a motor movie like a very sleazy sunday morning like very innocence what's the mind melter is that like a, it's a movie so, marathon yeah justin does these uh summer mind melters sometimes to raise money for uh his podcast the important cinema club or the gold ninja video label uh, they do like telephones almost, and he just play. He programs twenty four hours worth of interesting and strange and often rare and unheard of movies. And I sit there and watch it on Twitch for twenty four hours, trying not to fall asleep. <laughs> and sometimes he did one for uh, October. He did like a Halloween horror one, and he throwed on some very strange films, which was always good. And I know he's doing a, a like a sort of seasonal Christmas one that's a 12-hour oh. marathon, which should be, or oh. a 14-hour marathon, which is going to be more digestible. So I think I could maybe do 14. Um, yeah, I think that way my so life long. is. Yeah, I, I guess there's no shame in coming in and out, right? No, I think that, you know, it's only the diehards that stay for the, for the whole thing. This October one, I dipped in and out quite a bit just because... Mm. I, I got to sleep sometime, but that first summer one was a, a blast. Um, I was really expecting to see the new transfer of Freaky Farley pop up in the October one. I was kind of guessing that might that might rear its head, but no, we're saving that for the the Gold Ninja Video Blu-ray release, which is now out and you can pre-order it shipping soon. <laughs> I did got see a it. Proven Country um, on it. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. At least so, physically, uh, I don't think. Mm. So yeah, I did see that at festival. I think it was Fantastic Fest. Mm. They had all the. Uh, all the modern movies there, like the significant ones mm. that, that we've covered and, and have approved of mostly. Um, yeah, it looks so great in the restoration. Yeah. So uh, I love that these get restored. And all. like had screenings. They had like yeah. a, a screening in New York, was it? Or uh, somewhere? Yeah, I think he was at an Elmo draft house to present yeah. the Freaky Farley restoration. So cool. I think that is like a, one of the supplemental features on the new disc is like a, a little glimpse into the what those like live screenings go like in these live scenarios i'm i'm always continuously jealous to see any uh, to, for any people that get to see these movies on the big screen it's something that yeah. probably will never happen in the uk unless i organize it so Stephen, i know you'll probably listen to this at some point so we're going to organize a freaky farley screening at some point 
Can you still rent theaters out? I know it was a big COVID thing, but I'm sure you could rent and I program. Think, what are they called? Like Fathom events, where if you get enough people to buy a ticket to a certain movie, they can sort it out and screen it. Well, um, even so beyond Fathom events, I think most theaters still offer you just know like just private, rent a theater yeah. for one slot or something. Yeah. yeah, sometimes they have like a list of films you can pick from, but if oh, you yeah. like, like when we did that for Steven Stag do, and it was uh, John Carpenter's In the Mouth of Madness. Hindsight, Stephen, you should have just picked Don't Let the River Beast Get You to yes. <laughs> show your other friends this side of your life. But how did that go? Did did people like In the Mouth of Madness? Yeah, was people it loved it. And I went over well. I, I loved it. And I hadn't seen that film in a couple of years. And I, I remembered it as like one of the sort of midpoints in Carpenter for me. Uh, and revisiting that, I was like, oh, this movie's great. Uh, I, it's I have a such... broken DVD of it. Uh, so I've seen <laughs> the first half four times. Yeah. Uh, like hoping. Like I've cleaned the DVD a couple of times. I like hoped it would work, and you know I've never like it. It would be so easy for me to watch the whole movie. Um, <laughs> I'm so close to clearing Carpenter anyway. No, but, it's uh, cursed. It's yeah. You're in the in the broken disc of madness, and you'll never actually <laughs> see it. No, it's great. It's it's almost like it's a riff on Stephen King and his sort of legacy and the sort of work he does. But then it gets into this very carpenter way of presenting it and sam neill is fantastic uh and sam neill should definitely work on motor media movies in the future do you think they'll ever get like a like a, i don't mean that they need a celebrity but do you <laughs> think there's like a someone that you would put in their movies out of like all of like i uh, don't let's say think like so okay. um i kind of yeah. don't want that I don't no, want them yeah. to leave their family and friends behind for for some sort of quote unquote hot shot actor. I could see uh, like Pat and Oswald. Yeah, well like a cameo of Pat and like Oswald. Some of the guys yeah. that worked on like those red letter media movies, um, mm -hmm. like Pat and Oswald was in one of those, uh, even just like a brief cameo, but someone who is on that level of like comedy fame. I think we said in the past, like if Pat and Oswald just like found this and like retweeted it on Twitter, like found one of these movies, because I can see his comedic sensibilities lining up with the Moten guys, and I'm sure there's some other people I'm I'm think I'm forgetting about. Uh, we recently watching that new Weird Al movie. There's like so many <laughs> of those level comedians in like cameo roles that I'd love many to of see. Them would fit. Yeah. yeah. So I think they, like a yeah, I think like a Pat and Oswald or Tim Heidecker or something. Yeah. So that's just yeah, so, yeah. That has such a, a unique sense of comedy would would do their line readings justice at least. Mm. But part of me loves that it's always just the same people. It's always the you know this tight knit group of friends and family and people you know, and you're not mm. sort of relying on any sort of celebrity status other than Kevin McGee. I think that uh, yeah, Tim Heidecker's uh, the comedy uh, is uh, one of the movies I think I, I'd bring up that's most like a modern movie. Oh, interesting. Uh, that, that's that a comedian's making. That's been uh, on my Matt, you saw that? Yeah, I saw it. I don't know if I would liken it that to comparison. a modern okay. movie. I mean, at, at least in tone, I, I find them very different. I don't know. Mm. Like the comedy is much more serious, I think. Mm. Yeah. The, despite the title. It's just kind of like the floating thing where they're uh just kind of like living their lives and he's just kind of like riding around his bike. There might be a basketball oh, quite... scene in there. Oh, um, I like but... that. That sort of hangout approach to comedy. And it's Rick Alverson, so I think it is a lot more serious. But if you take the Alverson part out of it, I think you get somewhere close to what a Farley movie would be. It's just so. hard to find anything that's like a one-to-one -one mirror yeah, of these movies. Nothing. They're so they're so original. Like, that's why we are drawn to them, and I I keep coming back to them. 
just to like unlock more jokes or unlock more decisions on this like independent low budget no budget level i think it's that's it's, the endearing factor of these movies would you say the pit and silent night deadly night 2 are like the closest parallels? yeah any sort of like regional horror that like no one really uh, heard of in that day but has found like a cult scenario a cult setting like what was that one we watched, Matt? Uh, Woodchipper Massacre. Oh, <laughs> Woodchipper Massacre. Is which which yeah. uh, Charlie pointed us towards, I think. Um, uh, what did we but watch? Yeah, re- you're you're right, Calvin. Though the Pit and Silent Night, Deadly Night Part Two are the most directly paralleled in their mm. move, I think. Yeah, mm-hmm. not quite a My Uncle the Alien or uh, uh, something like. Uh, it's strange, uh, but I couldn't really pull any of the motonisms from it. It was just like okay. a very strange thing that Charlie's obviously seen. I don't know if there is much in terms of uh, influence there and like what they took from that movie, but uh, I'm always I happy to take a Charlie yeah, recommendation. The Alien is like 90s family exploitation, which yeah. I have not gone into too much. <laughs> I, I stay to the... I mean... Low peanut, budget horror stuff, but like, there was solution. so much. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 you're right, you're right. <laughs> yeah, but there, there's a lot of like low budget family stuff in the 90s that yeah. I have not seen too much of, except for uh, what, what was it, Munchie? Yeah, Munchie, Munchie, and Munchie Strikes yeah, Back, yeah, yeah, yeah. Jim Winorski movies. Yeah, um, but yeah, that that sort of like family friendly nature, I suppose, is kind of what they pull from those strange films from the 90s. And these films are always, you know, made for the whole family. They're not too risque in any regard. Um, They want to be seen by anyone and everyone. So they try and keep it family friendly, like these family pictures of making films with your friends. That's probably what they they glean from my uncle, the alien. (laughs) I just think in our website's history, Charlie coming on and recommending my uncle, the alien is one of the funniest things someone's done on our podcast. Uh, What was it? it. There was a couple of films, a couple of regional horror ones, and then my uncle was in there, right? Yeah, Yeah, Woodshipper Massacre, Memorial Day Massacre, and then there was the one with like the cop investigating the local cult, and his daughter works at a library. Blood cult, kind of. Yeah, that was it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know like what this one's pulling from. Maybe there are like regional comedies that that this is referencing. I don't know them though. I would like to watch more regional comedies, you know, like <laughs> yes. regional low budget genre films that don't necessarily lean too far into horror. Uh it's interesting. It's an interesting world because so many that we're like aware of are just horror films, regional horror, but regional buddy cop movies, where are they at? Slingshot cops, that's where we are. Well, yeah, I don't know if Matt is Matt Farley has agreed to this, but uh, I think we've got to have him on next month as we run to the end of this episode. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, we're announcing for him that we would like him here. Yeah, uh, we're running a campaign for, uh, for the media yeah. Moto Media Christmas special. Yeah, we kind of just want a Christmas hangout. So uh, Matt, <clears throat> that, come help us celebrate you again. And that movie is only like forty-five or fifty minutes, so you know I'm going right. to have to find any and all commentary tracks that he's done on his podcast or any sort of conversations he's had about this, just so we're not double dipping on conversations but we could bring matt on and do our own commentary track yeah Um, that that could be the episode that could be that could be be a little a spin on things let's Uh, think of it watch it prior yeah we'll we'll talk about that um anyone else got any closing statements on slingshot cops a movie that i'm 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 happy exists i'm excited that this is probably going to be sequelized i think there's an interesting world here to explore it's not my favorite Moturn, but I mean, it's nice to have in this like list of 15 movies or whatever, they, how many there are, there aren't any real duds. And this is far from a dud for me. I mean, middle of the pack motor and I'd rather watch than anything else. So sure. I'm, I'm yeah. Happy with it. 
I, I like it. Uh, I don't love it. Like it. it's not River Beast or mm-hmm. Local Legends, but yeah, I do like I, it. I approve. I, I came down stronger on it than I did first time around. Um, I think I, yeah. I, I gleaned something from it. Uh, but yeah, I'm happy it exists. Matt, Matt you, you fan any... of this one? Yeah, you. I mean, McGee has a glowing purple foot. What's not to like? Yeah, that's kind of the selling point here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as always, thank you for listening to this episode of Don't Let the Motown Cast Get You. As always, you can find more entertaining podcasts, articles, reviews, videos, and more over at thetwingeeks.com. We've got uh, so many exciting podcasts out there, and we're sure you'll find something you'll dig. I'm thinking of Spoiling Things, The Stacks, Daydream Cast, Ashes the Classics, Critical Critical Consideration. There's a lot of stuff on thetwingeeks.com. And make sure to join us next month, where we'll be talking about the Moturn Media Christmas Special from 2017. Thanks so much for talking sexy on the telephone. Charlie Roxburgh, you're so talented. Like Freaky Farley and Slingshot Cops. Charlie Roxburgh, you're so good with a camera. You can get lots of shots done in one day. Genius man